I think we're ready. Are you guys ready? <laughs> we're just going to spend an hour hanging out with Chris and sharing some stories. The guy is an amazing storyteller. And uh, before I bring him out, I just want to tell you about uh, running into Chris a year ago in his hometown of Winnipeg. Uh, we, we ran into each other backstage at a Guns N' Roses concert. And at the show, we're watching the show, and I'm blown away that somebody as famous as Chris is genuinely fanboying out at a, at a Guns N' Roses show. He looks at me and my friends, and he goes, dude, dude, hold on, hold on. This, would you not agree? This is the greatest Guns N' Roses song of all time. Am I right? And I go, it's a good song, right? It's a good, it's a good fucking song. Absolutely. He goes, it is. He goes, this is it. This is the best one of all time. Five songs later, and he went, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is the greatest Guns N' Roses song of all time. And you know why? The solo. Think about the lyrical content. I, this, is, this is, forget the last one. This is it. This is it. And we went, sure, Chris. Four songs later, he went, I forgot about this one. And all of us looking at each other going, do we uh, say anything? And someone... The smart one in our group went, you know, he could hospitalize us if he wanted to. So <laughs> let's leave him alone. And that's why I love him, because he's not only a great storyteller, he has a passion for everything that he's into. So let's bring him up. The guy who created this incredible vacation that we're all on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the great Chris Jericho. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. I've got my Raycon wireless earbuds in. I'm ready to rock the Duff McKagan joke of the week. And this week, you're actually going to be able to hear it. Here we go. Hey, uh, Chris Jericho. It's Duff McKagan calling you. I'm calling you from outside the uh, pharmacy. I, I went inside. I asked. If, I was uh, asking the chemist if he had anything to clear up this, this diarrhea. And uh, the pharmacist said, uh, well, I got these tablets tablets and i said no i mean like a like a uh some water to mop because i just shat on the floor thank you very much <laughs> i actually really liked that one that was funny uh once again last friday we uh made a little uh, foible it wasn't duff that didn't uh, call in one of his amazing jokes it was uh on our end but you got to hear one on wednesday and one today so you got two for your price of one this week on talk is jericho uh duff Great, gross joke. Always appreciate him calling in every single Friday, good or bad. You can only get the uh, the Duff McKagan joke of the week here on Talk is Jericho. Something else you can only get here at Talk is Jericho, right? A chance to hear the exclusive Jericho live Q&A from the first annual Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea back in October of 2018. That's right. The last of the live podcasts recorded on last year's cruise. Had a great time answering your questions, uh, questions from the first 400 cabins who booked uh, on Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea last year. Uh, we're doing it again on the upcoming Rock and Wrestling Rager Part 2, uh, which is January of 2020. And the first 400 cabins are already booked for the 2020 cruise. So if you uh, booked your cabins, you will get a chance to ask a question just like these fine folks did on the first Jericho cruise. Uh, very, very excited. Uh, but if you did book already at ChrisJerichoCruise.com, start thinking of your question now. If you haven't booked, don't miss out on this cruise because we're going to be setting sail January 20th, 2020. Why is there so many 20s? Because this vacation is 20, 
times better than any vacation you've had in the past. Uh, and if you're wondering who's going to be on the second annual Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, you can go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com or you can just wait. And at the end of the show, we're going to run down the uh, talent that's already been signed up to join us. Just the tip of the iceberg. I think the talent roster of this cruise is going to be even bigger and better than the first. And the first was amazing. The greatest vacation of all time up until the part de rock and wrestling rager. Don't forget general cabin on sale starts Wednesday, March 13th. But if you want to book now and get some of the pre- premium cabins that are left over, uh, go sign up on ChrisJerichoCruise.com. For the pre-sale booking option, you will get a time uh, email with the time on it that will tell you when you can book, and then you book away. But like I said, we are selling in droves this time, uh, and there's a chance we might actually even be sold out before we actually technically go on sale. Uh, Anybody can sign up for the pre-cabin booking. So if you want to do that, sign up for pre-booking now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Come join us for the vacation of a lifetime, January 20th. 2020. All right. As you're about to hear, nothing is off limits when it comes to the Q&A. You want to ask music questions? Check. You want to ask wrestling questions? Check. You want career advice or tips? Check. You want hair care uh, pointers? I got some of those too. I covered it all in this live uh, question and answer uh, session from the Stardust Theater on the Norwegian Jade. It was hosted by uh, comedian Craig Gass, who is, of course, an alumni on Talk is Jericho. So funny. We all had such a great time. Craig's a great guy and a great host. So here you go. The Chris Jericho fan Q&A from the Jericho Cruise, hosted by Craig Gass right here on Talk is Jericho. Let's go. As a wrestling fan, it, it's pretty cool to step in a ring for the first time. Me and my comedian friends last night <laughs> hanging out in this ring last night were like, how cool is it just to be in a ring? Do you remember the first time you actually, as a fan, got into a ring? I never got into the ring as a fan. I was always too scared. Because really? when I used to go to the shows in, in Winnipeg, um, AWA, and then it turned to WWF, you'd always have a couple kids that during the intermission would jump in the ring and they would get like yelled at by security and hauled up. Because back in those days in the 80s, you know, it was real. Like, you, you don't go in the ring. Like, someone might, you know, kill you or beat you up. So no. I always found it kind of to be almost sacred ground. And the first time I got into a ring was when I was doing, um, in the summer of 1989, there was a wrestling tour up to the reservations in Manitoba where, you know, in uh, First Nation reservations. So you would drive 24 hours up to these places and then, you know, have wrestling shows. And I was on the ring crew. And so the first time I ever got into a ring was after I'd set it up. And that was it. So I was at uh, 18, 19 years old around that time frame. Really? Yeah. So that was it. And did you, like, play it out in your head when you stood in the middle of the ring? Like, did you picture yourself? There was a guy called Caveman Brody, yeah. and uh, he was really small. And he, um, As he used, cavemen were. Yeah. <laughs> he had this, this, ba- this duffel bag on the road with him with all of these cans, uh, like, like canned soup, but with no labels, like food cans. And he would say, you want something to eat? Sure. There you go. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's peaches. You want something to eat? Sure. What is it? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's sweet potatoes. What he would do is he would go into the grocery store and he would rip the labels off the cans, then take it to the front and go, this can has no label. I want a discount. <laughs> and that's when I learned about how cheap wrestlers are back in those days. So yeah, he wow. carried around this. So he, uh, he's like, uh, you want to be a wrestler? Sure. He said, all right, hold on. Let me show you something. And he body slammed me, which first time you get body slammed, kills you and then didn't say he just said stay there and he went to the top rope and jumped off the top rope to drop a knee and i still remember looking up and like what is he doing no 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 <laughs> and he comes off and this knee 
it looks like, you know, the fist of Godzilla is coming down. <laughs> and then, like, nothing happened. And I couldn't believe it. Like, he dropped this perfect knee where, you know, the concept of wrestling is you don't want to hurt the other guy. And it was just, I couldn't believe, like, how did you do that? How did you do that? And he's like, that's wrestling, kid. But just seeing that, that boot, that, that, that <laughs> knee coming at me, I'll never forget. It's like a meteor coming. Um, yeah, Caveman Brody. There you go. Well, the way this is going to go is um, uh, a bunch of fans submitted questions. Well, let me just say one thing quickly. You guys here uh, are at this Q&A because you were the first, I believe it's the first 400 people to book. That's uh, right. Uh, yeah. And and only these guys get to be in That's the right. Theater. That's right. So you guys are the, are the OGs. You guys are the original people to book. And the fact that we, we sold out this cruise, I thank you guys for being there from the start. So thank you so much. And the way this worked out, a bunch of fans submitted questions and then they, they picked a handful of questions for people to come up and ask themselves. And uh, Bear is over here. The spotlight was almost perfectly just on your crotch a moment ago. They fixed the spotlight. Oh, it, it was okay. very impressive. He's like, no, that's where the spotlight's like, supposed to go. I had that same fear that you had. I was like, oh my God, that penis is coming right for me. It was like it had a spotlight on it. Can I just say something quickly? I was looking at my pants and I see a bunch of red stuff. I'm like, why is I really, it's, I have blood on my pants. And the reason for that is I was at uh, Blizzard of Ozzy yep. last night. I was going crazy and I was on stage. And apparently I sang three songs with them. I don't remember any of them. <laughs> Apparently, I did a great version of I Don't Know. And as I was rocking, the guitar player turned and hit me right in the eye with the guitar. And not only did I hear about that, and this is kind of crazy. I, was, I wasn't going to bring this up yet, but at least 50 people today have walked up to me and said, dude, I had a beer with Chris Jericho last night. I was like, that's impossible unless he was hammered. It's true. <laughs> And I, I had to. I, I, they have a really nice infirmary here, and I know this because I was in it last night to get my eye glued uh, together. So if you see me walking around with a black eye, that's the reason why. But I finished the show right on, like a a showman, a true showman. Listen, you can cut me open, but I want to see the Aussie gig, man. Blizzard of Aussie, they're great. So, anyways. I'm bleeding for you guys now. That's what I'm doing here. All right, we got some fans who want to talk to you, so we're going to start. What is your name, and where are you from? My name is Danielle Purdy, and I am from Jacksonville, Florida. Right on Jacksonville. What is your question? Okay, what products would you say have helped to keep your amazing hair looking so healthy and silky? <laughs> Great question. Hang on. Do you have a holy grail, can't-live-without hair care product that you use? It's, um... It's weird because when I started, it's funny because I had long hair for, for such a long time. And when I cut it, people just couldn't believe it. They were like, how can you still be Chris Jericho? You know, and I was the same way. I remember when James Hetfield cut his hair and Bruce Dickinson, I'm like, how can they still be heavy metal? Like back in the day, you could, if you didn't have long hair, you yeah. weren't a heavy metal guy. Uh, and then I cut it. And now that I started growing it back, I was like, oh, thank God. Thank God you grew your hair back. I'm like, really? Thank God? Like, it means that much to you that I have long hair? Seriously? And my rule wa was when I started growing it back is no ponytails. 
uh, and no hair dryer because and no dye. I dyed my hair before. It was always ponytails. So I had that stupid ring at the back of my hair where you'd see the ring from the ponytail. So that's what I did, and and I just started growing it back because my uh, we had a, a Fozzie tour that was a month. And then I came back and my hairdresser was gone for a month. So two months, I was like, oh, well, let me just see what happens with it. And here we are. So it's not any kind of special shampoo and conditioner, but I really, uh, really, really believe in you have to have a, a, a expensive conditioner um, because it's very important to condition your hair. And don't dye it and, and you use a blow dryer and all that sort of stuff. It's the only way that I have such beautiful hair. Thank you. <laughs> I wish I was on this cruise 30 years ago. <laughs> Bullshit, man. It's all, all right. on the timing. <laughs> what is your name and where are you from, sir? All right, my name is Ron from Cocoa Beach, and I want to know, have you ever had a genuine paranormal experience, and is that what led you to shoot Monster Hunt? Wow. Good questions. Yes, hunting monsters. Um, so anybody that listens to Talk is Jericho knows that I have a lot of paranormal guests on. Um, I've always been very fascinated by the subject. I'm really, uh, really into it. And the weirdest thing that happened to me, first of all, Hunting Monsters, that was the show I just had on the Travel Channel. Um, it was the Rougarou, that's right, going into the Louisiana swamps looking for the Honey Island Swamp Monster and the Rougarou. But as we were out there, there was this, uh, this voodoo priestess who told us the story about this voodoo lady 100 years ago that cursed the town uh, after she died and then this hurricane came and killed like 25 people and so we were in an area where apparently most of those bodies were buried and these guys had like some i don't know what the ghostbuster shit that they use but it, it legitimately picks up energy there you go exactly and it's not something that like you can't press a button like it, it, you hold it and when there's spiritual activity it goes from green to red. And for whatever reason, we were in the bush and I had a machete and then we were standing there to, there's a, a reason for that. It's Chris Jericho, of course he had a machete. Of course I had a machete. <laughs> That's when my hair started growing out again. My but, balls dropped, I had a machete in my hand. <laughs> I'm holding this, 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 this device and I put the machete into the ground and the thing just started going to red. And all the ghost guys that I was with, the ghost hunter guys, they were flipping out. And listen, I know when people are putting on a show because it's what I do for a living. Sure. These guys were not. They were legit. We have never seen this much activity. These things going to red. And when I would point it over here, there's nothing. When I point it over there, there's nothing. When I point it like here, it goes to red. If someone else holds it, nothing happens. Only when I'm holding it goes to red. And they're like, oh, my God, there's something attached to you. And I'll tell you what. I felt two things. One, a f this feral instinct to get the hell out of here. Like, th this is not cool. Like, you know, like, you get that, that, that feeling where, like, this is not, this is not good. And then, also, I felt like my insides, like I had just been on a roller coaster where you feel kind of shooken up inside. So, I, something was going down and it was not cool. Then, I pulled the machete out of the ground to walk somewhere else and it stopped. And I'm wondering, maybe because I put the machete in the ground in their burial ground, maybe yeah. that insulted them, or, or and they were really angry about this. So say what you want to say, what you want. To say. There was some weird stuff happening in that swamp 
that I believe there was otherworldly uh, spirits wow. out there uh, being, uh, you know, messing around. So great question. That led to great a great question. Answer. Yeah, it was pretty scary, Thank man. You. It was pretty scary. Thank you. All right. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? Uh, hey, I'm uh, Craig from Calgary, Alberta. Calgary! Yes! Uh, Chris, your work ethic and ability to do so much in such a tight amount of time is amazing. As someone who's juggling a small catering company, but also a chef of a huge operation um, as my real job, what is the key to your success and time management? Mm. First of all, congratulations on yep. your business. Um, I... I wanted to do two things when I was a kid. I wanted to be in a rock and roll band and I wanted to be a wrestler. And so many people, when I told them what I wanted to do, had so many opinions about why I couldn't do it. And I was like, why do people care so much about what I want to do? It gives a shit what I want to do. It's what I want to do. I don't care what anyone thinks. So very early on, I'm talking as an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, I just said, I don't care. I'm eliminating the negativity and I'm going to set my sights and do it, right? Um, and there's, there's this great quote that Paul Stanley gave in Decline of the Western Civilization where he said, um, the only people that tell you you can't do something are the ones that have failed. I'm not going to tell you you can't do something because I did it. You can do it. And when he said that, I felt he was talking to me. You can do it, Chris. Mm -hmm. Chris Irvin living in Winnipeg, Canada. So I always just put like this, man. I can do it. I'm not going to listen to people that tell me that, they, that, that, that I can't. So once I got to those levels in wrestling and rock and roll, now I'm dangerous because I'm not afraid to try anything. How about I book my own cruise? Why not? By the yeah. way, I, I got a tag on, I love Paul Stanley quotes, and uh, my second favorite Paul Stanley quote is a Rock Against Drugs commercial where he's in a bed with uh, not one, but 10 beautiful women. And he said... If you're a girl and you have an opportunity to be with me, why would you want to have drugs or alcohol take away such a bombastic moment? No one. <laughs> what the hell is going on in your pants that's bombastic? <laughs> Jesus. That was a great question, though. Thank but, but, you. But let me finish up. The, my, my point is this. Just go for it. Don't, don't listen to why it can't happen. Don't look for reasons why it's not going to work. Look for the reasons why it will work. And go for it, man. If you really believe you can do it, it just goes for all you guys. D then do it. Just do it. That's all I can say. Don't take no for an answer. Agreed, 100%. And I was telling Chris when uh, last album came out that I was seeing people on my Facebook page who clearly were showing some kind of hesitation to praise Chris. I saw musicians from Disturbed and System of a Down who were posting, I got to be honest. This is good music. And they were posting videos. You know, I got, I got to hand it. And it almost sounded like they were saying, you know, I didn't expect this, yeah. but I got to say this is great. So you have to follow your dreams. Like you can't, it's always other people that are going to try to hold you back. And ultimately you have to chase after them because at the end of the day, you'll always be happy if you're pursuing what you love. Uh, what is your name and where are you from? Hey, my name is Corey. I'm from Connecticut. Hey, Corey. Um, How are you? My question is, so about 10 years ago, Chris, I saw you in a rundown gym in Connecticut, a little indie show. So my question is, what crazy stories or funny moments do you have from any sort of indie shows you've uh, done in the past? 10 years ago at an indie show? Yeah, in Danbury. You didn't wrestle. You were just there for an appearance. Danbury, yeah, I think when, when I left wrestling, when I left um, WWE, I, I just did some signings here and there. 
But you want to talk about indies, like true indies for me was basically only 90, 1990 to 1992. Um, and, and ever since then, I had a full-time gig in wrestling. So, uh, I mean, you know, I remember one time we got booked in a place called Rimby, Alberta. I'm sure the Calgary boys will know where Rimby is. Rimby represent? Wow. Um, <laughs> and they booked a wrestling show the night of the, uh, you guys would call it homecoming, the, the night of the homecoming college uh, social, beer bash. So the college had a 1,000 people for the beer bash, and we had seven people. Mm. Now, when you say, Chris, you wrestled WrestleMania in front of 70,000 people, what's it like? It's just one big, giant animal. When you wrestle in front of seven people, you can see each and every person. And they're all thinking, Fuck, I wish I was at the beer bash. And I'm thinking, Fuck, I was wish I was at the beer bash. <laughs> you know, and you would get stuff like that that happens all the time, but that's how you cut your teeth, you know, and that's where you learn my, another model of mine is 10 or 10,000. Whether you have a small crowd or whether you have a huge crowd, you put on the same show. You don't ever uh, uh, punish the people who came to see you. You know, because it's just as embarrassing for them as it is for me. So we're all in this together. Let's have a good time. Agreed. Thank you. And thank you for your question. Next question. up, what is your name and where are you from? Hey, I'm Jesse and I'm from Seattle. Nice. Seattle. Go Hawks. Uh, go Hawks. <laughs> what is your question for Chris? Basically, I want to know, man, uh, you've been traveling around the world for all these years as a wrestler and performed in front of audiences like crazy, right? Then you start doing Fozzie and like the first time you get in front of a band or as a band in front of a huge crowd, were you nervous? Is it different? Well, once again, when we first started Fozzie, you're playing in front of small crowds because that's just how it goes. You know, you, I always used to laugh when people would think just because, you know, Chris Jericho from WWE forms a band that it's going to be, you know, oh, we're going to get 10,000 people. So it doesn't work that way. You know, you have to build the respect and build the name of the band as well. So playing in front of the crowds, it reminded me of the early days of wrestling. And that's that's cool. Like I said, you, you have to earn your stripes. And, you know, now that we have solid shows in New York and L.A. and Vegas and, you know, the, the cruise last night, the place was packed. You never forget the early days when you were playing in front of, you know, smaller crowds. But like I said, who gives a shit? If it's a small crowd, if it's a big crowd... As long as people are having a good time, that reputation will follow you and more people will come when, you know, the word of mouth goes out there. So always, 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 always when we're on stage, wrestling, Fozzie, Talk is Jericho, whatever it may be, you got to go out there and just make it to where people enjoy themselves. And you have to connect with the audience. And if you can do that, whether it's a big crowd or a small crowd, you'll always have more shows and, and great people that love watching you do it. Agreed, 100%. Thank you. Seattle and go Hawks. Next person coming up. What is your name and where are you from? Uh, Ryan Johnson from Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln! Yes. What is right. your question for Chris? All right, first off, Jericho, thanks for this opportunity. All right, two-part oh, question. Okay. All right, the first question is, how much has wrestling changed from the time you started to now? And please provide examples. The second part is, <laughs> since, second question is, is since, what is, what's, what's now for wrestling now? Okay, for WWE sold out, I mean, 100,000 people at Nintendo Stadium. 
30 minutes sell out for the Bullet Club. What do you think is next for wrestling as a whole? Mm. Um, wow. It's a very scientific question. Well, I, I think the, the one thing about wrestling that's very cool right now is, is for the last basically 20 years since WWE took over WCW, there really was no uh, viable option other than WWE. If you didn't work there, you really couldn't make much of a living with very rare exceptions. Now that's changed. You don't have to be in the WWE to be very successful and, and make a great living. Uh, you don't have to be in a WWE to sell out an arena, you know, um, or, or to be on TV or to be making, you know, making some big moves. I mean, look at the guys that we have on this cruise. All of those guys are huge stars, and some of them have never even been in the WWE mm -hmm. and might never go. Uh, that's That would never have happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it's good. It's good for the business. It's good for the fans. It's good for, for, for me. Uh, it's good for the WWE because it's good to have competition. If you're running a race and there's nobody behind you, you're going to slow down. If someone's right on your tail, you're going to speed up because you don't want to lose. Mm -hmm. So everybody's going to be sharper as a result of that. Uh, how has wrestling changed? Probably, I mean, I came in right at the tail end of the old school kayfabe, you know, uh, 1990 was still, you didn't know if it was real, if it wasn't real. There was no dirt sheets to read behind the scenes information. There was no podcast to fill you in on things. So it was much more of a closed secret society. You guys would give you a handshake. It would, it would almost be like just, here, stick out your hand. Yep. You'd shake hands almost like very lightly. like Because if you shook hands like a man, that meant you were stiff and you were a shitty wrestler. <laughs> you had to do the, the wrestler handshake. So all that sort of stuff speaking carny uh which is this kind of secret language of wrestlers that now every rap guy can speak rezap he's artist um you would learn carny uh because you're coming in the business you don't want anybody to know what you're doing hey let's gizo ease out and geese at some bees ears and get in a feesite or something like you'd be like what um but that was something that every wrestler had to know because it was still this very weird like i said secret society uh, it's not like that anymore it's much more accessible it's much uh, bigger and also, too, size-wise, I was very small starting in wrestling at 5'11", 220 pounds. Now, 5'11", 220 pounds, you're one of the biggest guys on the roster. That's all changed as well. Um, much more of a work, athletic-based style, whereas back then it was much more of just punching and kicking and uh, almost uh, cartoon characters that you would see. Um, but that's just the evolution of the business, you know, and I like... I, I never like people always go, what's the best era for wrestling for you right now from right now? Because I'm not going to say, you know what I mean? Right. I'm not going to say 10 years ago because it's gone and done and you can stay in the past, but I've never been about that. I want to stay in front of the curve. And I think that's why I'm still very, you know, relevant and probably my name value now might be the biggest it's ever been because I took some chances and did some things outside of the box. So. You're the goat. Jericho, you're the goat, bud. Thank you, man. Thank you. I hate to speed this along, but we're almost at the halfway point, and we're barely a quarter of the way through the question. So we got to start ripping through some of these. Uh, I what talk is your, too much. What is your name, and where are you from? I'm Will from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hey, Will. What's your question for Chris? All right. Uh, Chris, I've always enjoyed your creative process, and if you've gotten over different uh, – you've, you've been relevant throughout the decades. What's been the hardest decade to get something over in, and what's something that – didn't quite make it to TV or you thought was really good and it just didn't take off? I always, I always call myself the George Harrison of the Attitude Era. Nice. And what I mean by that is I was super popular as a babyface. Uh, George Harrison 
one of the greatest songwriters and singers of all time. Mm-hmm. Only problem is he was in a band with the two greatest <laughs> songwriters and singers of all time, John Lennon and Paul McCartney. No matter what George did, he would never get above Paul and John. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Jericho in the Attitude Era, I was super popular, but I was in the company with Steve Austin and The Rock. Mm-hmm. No matter what I did, I would never get bigger than those two guys. So that's why I turned heel and worked with them. So at least you can still be in that rarefied era, but never as a, as a baby face. So I think that was probably the hardest era to really get over in because the talent level was so high. There was, you could, there was legitimately 12 Hall of Fame, world champion, main event guys, you know, Triple H, Mick Foley, uh, you know, Kurt Angle, Jericho, Undertaker, um, you, know, you, just, you name it. They were all there at that time frame. Um, so it was very hard, Rock Austin, to, to get over that, that point in time. And as far as uh, I've always been a guy that believes in catchphrases, what can I put in a T-shirt, what are people going to get into? And the one that I thought for sure was going to be a huge hit that just bombed was Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> razzle Dazzle, baby. I'm going to rouse you and I'm going to dowse you. And it's like nobody cared. <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you, Will. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? I'm Walter. I'm from Washington, D.C. All right, Walter, what's your question for Chris? Walter. Hey, what's going on, Chris? Hey, man. <laughs> um, if you could have any rock legends featured in one of your songs with Fozzie, who would it be? Um, wow. Cool, yeah. Great and by point. the way, I see there's some kids here, so if you hear me say bad words, uh, just cover your ears. I apologize. Um, for the rock, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because we've had a lot of great guys guesting on our, on our songs um, but it depends on the song. You know, you never want to write a song uh, and have somebody plan it as a stunt. You know, when we had M Shadows uh, with us on Sandpaper, it's because I wanted his voice. I could hear his voice kind of in the, in the chorus. When we had uh, Michael Starr from Steel Panther, same thing. Um, when we had Zach Wilde do Wanderlust, it's because I really wanted to do me Aussie Sabbath type solo. So the one guy that we never got, we have a song called uh, Unstoppable off the last record, You Want to Start a War, and I wanted Slash to play the solo on it. But he, he was just too busy and, and, and couldn't make it happen. Uh, but She's My Addiction, it's a very driving, Guns N' Roses, I wanted a dirty type of a solo, Phil Campbell, who's on this cruise, Phil Campbell, the Bastard Sons, you gotta check them out, from Motorhead. He laid down this wicked solo, so, and it fit what we wanted. So it's not so much who do you want to work with, it's who's best for, for, for the song. Because all that matters every time is what's best for the song. And that's it. Great question. Thank you, Chris. Right. Thank you. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? Uh, Nathaniel from Columbus, Ohio. All right. Nathaniel, what is your question for Chris? I was listening to Talk is Jericho, and I discovered that you used to play Dungeons and Dragons when you were younger. <laughs> I was wondering if you had a favorite character, experience, or story you'd like to talk about relating to your D&D days. Dungeons and Dragons still has a very sore spot for me, and the reason for that is I played it avidly for years. Uh, years. And I had this character called Haltane. He was a paladin. And um, I named him that because the street next to mine was Haltane Crescent. So he was Haltane the Paladin. And I built this guy up, and, and you know, when, when, you, when you play D&D, your character becomes an extension of you. You know, it's, it's the true fantasy, but you, believe, you love this guy. You love your character. And one day, it was, we were playing a module. It was an advanced module. You can tell I'm a D&D nerd. And um, <laughs> it was not supposed to happen, but 
we ran into a chromatic dragon, which is the worst, Craig, creature that you can... I'm learning this as we're going. Yes, All right. it's, it's, it's the worst. And it, I had this character that I played for a year and a half, loved it, and he died literally in about two minutes. Chromatic dragon just breathed fire. I tried to stop it, rolled a two, breathed fire again, Haltane is dead. And I was like, no, 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 come on, man. Like, did my dungeon master, like, can we just do something else? Can we pretend this never happened? Of course you can't pretend it never happened. It happened, Haltane is dead. So ever since then, I can't even think about Dungeons and Dragons because I'm still not over the death of Haltane wow. the Paladin. Wow, what a great question. Way to traumatize him again. Led to a very touching and kind of nerdy moment from Chris's childhood. <laughs> what is your name? Where are you from? My name's Dustin. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. All right, Dustin, what's your question for Chris? All right, if you could have a dream match with any person or persons, dead or alive, who would it be and what would the stipulation be? Mm. I think when I go through, like, my three heroes when I was a kid were Shawn Michaels, nice. um, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, who is also here on this ship. I will be doing a live talk as Jericho with the dragon. And the other one was Owen Hart. Mm -hmm. And I got to work with Sean extensively. I got to work with Steamboat a bunch of times. I never got to work with Owen Hart. And, and one of the reasons why I left WCW to go to WWE, if you had a list of 100 reasons, one of the, you know, the 80 reasons or 90, the lower level reasons was like, maybe I'll get a chance to work with Owen Hart. And before I got there, he passed away. So I never had the chance to work with Owen. I would have loved to have worked with him, and I would have loved to have worked with him as a motivated performer because I felt he's a guy, when, you, when the other cat asked how wrestling has changed, Owen Hart would be so amazing in this day and age, in this, in this era, because he was such a pioneer and such a revolutionary when it came to the style, the modern hybrid of Japanese, European, Calgary style, American style. He was a great character, but he was so smooth in the ring that if he had guys to work with that knew how to do that with him and draw that out of him, I guarantee he would, he would be still remembered as he was, but he would have been even better if he would have got a chance to work with Eddie uh, Dean, Chris, Jericho, or Rollins, Reigns, uh, Kenny, Cody. Like, that's Owen's wheelhouse. So, um, yeah, if I could work with anybody, it would, it would be Owen Hart. Stipulation, uh, the 30 minutes uh, clown nose match. I don't know. Great question. Thank you. What is your name and where are you from? I'm Caribbean. I'm from New York City. New York City! All right, Jose, you got a lot of relatives here. What's your question? Out of all of the years you've been wrestling, what match or moment was the most emotional for you? Most emotional. Most emotional for me. That's a great question. Um, hmm. I mean, you know, emotional, there's, there's quite a few. You know, uh, we talked about Eddie Guerrero last night. When, when, you know, when I found out that he had passed away, it was a, it sucked. And when I found out the, the whole Benoit tragedy was just awful. Um, but when you're talking about match-wise... I'd say last year at the Tokyo Dome with Kenny Omega, I think, was one. Reason for that, is strange, but for me, the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to do that, it was two Winnipeggers, two guys from Winnipeg, uh, headlining the Tokyo Dome with Don Callis commentating, another Winnipegger. That means something to me. When you're from Winnipeg, you're very, uh, you're very proud of, of where you're from, and I thought that was really cool. Um, the fact that I was doing something different uh, the fact that it made a huge difference business-wise, 
And I think the other one is uh, Shawn Michaels, the ladder match that we had at No Mercy back in 2008 or 9. And the reason for that was that match was never supposed to happen. That feud was never supposed to happen. It was just supposed to be a one-night-only match with me and Shawn uh, that through the fact that it was working so well, great chemistry, great story, it ended up lasting seven months. And it culminated with a ladder match for the world title main eventing a pay-per-view. And to me, I just thought this is, once again, what can happen when you really put your mind to it and think outside the box. One night to seven months to feuding around the world title. And to me, that's still not only my favorite match of all time in the ring, but the circumstances leading to it I was very proud of, of, of what we were able to accomplish with that. Right on. Intense question and intense answer because my uh, chair started moving. Did you guys feel that? I'm feeling the boat's moving a little bit, right? Yeah, I was like... I forget that we're on a cruise ship. I know, I'm like... I'm, once in a while you feel a bit of like, what's going on? Why are we moving? Oh, we're on the ocean. I know, I thought it might... That's why. Am I having a stroke? It's the ship. Okay. <laughs> what is your name? Where are you from? Hey, Matt Mancusa from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga! What is your question for Chris? My question is... What was it like seeing yourself as a video game character for the first time, and did you wrestle yourself or against yourself? That's pretty cool. That's a great question. That is a great question. Are you asking if I played with myself? <laughs> All right, as, kids, earmuffs, earmuffs. As much as possible. Earmuffs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's so strange, man. Like, when you've been in this business for a long time, you're always working on the next thing. And business, I mean show business. It's always like, you know, even like on this cruise the other day, I had uh, yesterday, I just went up to the top balcony, just sat there by myself for a couple minutes, just going like, holy shit, this is so cool. Um, it really when, is a cool you know, experience, I have yeah, to say. When we were pulling out yesterday with Fozzie playing and, you know, thank you. Okay, you don't have to do it. It's cool. Um, <laughs> Chant is fading. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the video game thing, it, I'm not a, a video game guy, although I used to be back in the early Atari days, but I realized, yeah, yeah Atari 2600, I realized early on I can't be a video guy because I'm too obsessive. Agreed, like I, 100%. I, I can't do it. So I just it takes up too much. Time. Yeah, and I will play till 7 in the morning. Yeah. I can't do that, man. So I've always stayed away from video games. So the, so. When when they started coming out, I never really paid much attention. I think it's pretty cool when you have to do the voiceover work for it and all that stuff. But to me, the coolest thing was was having my first action figure. That was something that I really uh, responded to because I had all the action figures from Galoob. It was the name of the company, whatever the f*** that means, uh, back in the 80s. So to have my own action figure, and the first one ever was a double pack, me and Dean Malenko. And the gimmick was the fists had magnets on them. So you could attach your fist to the other guy's fist and do something with it. Like, I don't know why you would ever, what wrestling move are you doing where you're pumping fists, right? Um, but that was the first one that I ever had. And I thought, man, now I really felt like, wow, you're in, the, you're in the big leagues now, man, you know? So that was pretty cool. And I think the answer to the question, what is Delube? I believe that is something that uh, couples who've been married for a long time in Chicago refer to. Uh, hey, well, Grab me Delube. Stop uh, talking about Chicago. Bro. All right, all right. Next up, what is your name and... <laughs> sorry, sorry, Craig. I still love you, but... What is your name and where are you from? Dalub. Name's Dalub. Evan from Newcastle, Australia. All right, yes, Evan. all right, Australia. There's a whole lot of Australians on this boat, man. I love Australians. What is Good your question? question? 
I'm about to make my uh, wrestling debut early next year. Nice. Congratulations. Uh, (laughs) That's right. There you go. What's your wrestling name? Uh, We haven't got that far yet. (laughs) Okay. All right. Can we hand this guy a chair and let him smack the shit out of somebody just to warm up? (laughs) (laughs) So um, I'm 33 years old, and uh, I was wondering what advice you might have for someone getting into the business, quote-unquote, later in life. It's the same advice that I, that I said earlier. If you, if you want to do it and you feel you can do it, just go for it. You know, 33, is it old? I don't know. I mean, I started when I was 19, but Bad News Allen, Bad News Brown, started when he was 38. So he became a world champion. You know, look, DDP, another guy who's on this vote. Paige will tell you. I don't think Paige started wrestling um, until he was 35, I believe. So 33, 23, 43, if you feel you can do it, if you've, got, if you've got the passion for it and you've got the resolve, then commit to it and go for it, man. That's my advice to you. Great question. Great answer. Thank you. Australia. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? My name's Lisa. I'm from Long Island, New York. Long Island. Strong Island. What's your question, Lisa? Okay. For someone who's going through a rough patch in life, what do you tell yourself to keep yourself motivated and do you have any words of wisdom? Well, yeah, kind of the same thing. I'm from Long Island, too. Did you know that? I was born in Manhasset, Long Island. I would say to you, I mean, you know, it's it's the old tough times don't last, tough people do. And I think whenever you feel something is going really, really bad, it's the same as anything else. You just got to hold on and ride through it, and some good stuff will always happen as a result. But just just believe, believe in yourself. I don't know what the, the, the rough patch is, and we don't need to know, but just know that, that, that if you have the, the, the resolve and, and the confidence to know that you're better than that, whatever the problem is, you can rise above it. You know what I mean? And you will rise above it, and don't give in to it, and don't get depressed. Put on some cool music. What's your favorite? Who's your favorite band? Depeche Mode. All right, put on some Depeche Mode. It's a great band, by the way. They're so huge. Did you know that? Yeah, I, they're I, huge. I heard a crazy cover the other day, Def Leppard doing Personal Jesus. Wow. Whoa, it was wow. crazy. So put yeah. on some Depeche Mode, get in your car, go drive down the Long Island Expressway, crank it up, roll the windows down, fuck it. Eat a cheeseburger. Thank you so much. Have some pizza. Thank you. And it's all temporary. All the bullshit is temporary. That's Next right. up, what is your name and where are you from? Ross from Jacksonville, Florida. All right, Jacksonville for a Two second Jacksonville's. time. Jacksonville's, wow. What is your question? So, uh, myself, like many people in here, admire the original cruiserweight division in WCW. Um, many of those matches stand the test of time. So, my question is, why do you think that that division was so special compared to maybe what we see today? The talent, because of the guys that were in it completely. I mean, you had guys coming from all over the world at that point in time that were seasoned vets, were pros. They weren't in NXT for six months and coming on the show. They were working. I, I took me six years of mainstream, uh, not mainstream, six years of full-time work before I got to WCW. So when I got there, I had experience. And working with all those other guys um, in this cruiserweight world, uh, which was the first time ever, and it wasn't cruiserweight, heavyweight. It was just good matches from guys that knew how to work and had chemistry, and it became exciting. And I still say... Uh, one of the reasons why, and the second biggest reason why WCW beat WWE for a year or whatever it was, A, NWO, for sure. B, the cruiserweight division. I will stand there and tell you that every day. 
And the reason for that was, as big as the NWO and the stories were, the matches were pretty crappy. Let's be honest. Uh, so the, the those guys could go do the storyline and, and fill the, the seats, so to speak. But the Cruiserweight guys always had the best matches. So you would go like, listen, okay, well, that Hogan-Piper match wasn't great, but... Wow, the, the Eddie Guerrero Rey Mysterio match was amazing. So people were, were happy and satisfied from all sides of the coin. And I think that's one of the main reasons why that division was so special and so great was specifically because it was the first time you'd ever seen it. People didn't know what they were seeing. It was blowing them away. And you had a bunch of seasoned professionals who loved working together and didn't care about winning or losing, just cared about having the best match possible. Thank you. Jacksonville. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? Hi, um, Kevin from Boynton Beach, Florida. All right, Kevin, very serious voice. What is your question? <laughs> um, uh, I just wanted to know, uh, what do you think are the biggest differences in things like cr uh, the creativity and the road life associated with wrestling and then music? I'm trying to uh, build this question out. So, so what are the similarities between the two? Uh, I guess similarities or differences, uh, wrestling and music with, you know, how's the creativity different? The creativity, okay. Yeah. It's actually really, it's a really uh, deep question, man. So I think I'm an artist. Uh, that's what I consider myself to be. And to me, an artist is anything, anybody that creates something out of nothing, right? So if you're recording a song, if you're painting a picture, if you're putting together a stand-up comedy show, you're putting together a match, that's all art, and I think there's a real art form into putting together a great match. There's a real art form to writing a great song. Once again, I've said it a few times, all that matters is the song, is the match. It doesn't matter in wrestling if you get your shit in. People will say, I got to get my shit in, brother. No, you don't. If you have a great match, you'll always get more shit in later because great matches are great matches. And I think when they become bad matches, when people aren't working together or too concerned with their own personal uh, shit. Hmm. Uh, and same with writing a song. We talked earlier, you know, like on, on, on the Judas record, it's our biggest record by far. And the reason for that is we just, we just cut a lot of stuff out. Like, well, this song needs a guitar solo. Why? Well, cause we're a rock and roll band. Every rock song has a solo. Why? It doesn't fit. Okay. Judas doesn't have a solo and it's done 25 million views on YouTube in just over a year. Hmm. Nobody seemed to care. So I think the creativity is similar in that you are putting together this, 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 this moment, this show, but you have to keep in mind that all that matters is what the final result is and the ups and downs and the individual performances really don't matter as much. Mm. Great question. Thank you. Thank you. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? Uh, Brian Garlic, Mankato, Minnesota. All right. All right. Brian, what is your question for Chris? I just want to say real fast, uh, my beautiful wife and I had lunch with Peter from uh, Blizzard of Ozzy, and uh, he was totally talking trash about how he <laughs> wrecked you with his guitar. So. Wow. It was that's, an accident. It was an stiff. accident. Jeez. I didn't even um, know. His, I don't know. He could come up and spit in my face. I wouldn't even know who the hell it was, so don't worry about it. <laughs> what is um, the question, Brian? So I'm a big fan of Jim Cornette, Smoking Out Wrestling. Um, was there ever discussion between you, Lance Storm, any of the producers about trying to like revive the Thrill Seeker gimmick uh, in any of the other promotions that you work for? And if so, uh, like any cool ideas for like entrances, vignettes, finishes, stuff like that? No, there wasn't. And, and I, Lance and I were a tag team very early on in our career. And then uh, Lance left the team. You know, to, He wanted to go on his own, which, of course, you're going to do that anyways. 
when the thrill seeker opportunity came up, I mean, we had a conversation. Like, do you want to be a team again? Like, should we do this? Yeah, it's our first chance to work in the States. Let's do it. But when, when that ended, there was no discussion because neither one of us really wanted to be in a tag team. Uh, we were a great team. We had a lot of chemistry, especially in the early days. But, you know, you start spreading your wings. And, and I realized I don't like I don't play well with others. I don't want to share the spotlight. I want it all on me. So <laughs> I think that's uh, it was a fun time. It got cut short because I broke my arm and then we were pretty much done with it. But uh, I learned a lot in Smoky Mountain. I really enjoyed my time there for sure. Awesome. Right on. Thanks, Thanks Brian. Brian. Next up, what is your name? Where are you from? Uh, Jeremy from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. All right, Fort Lauderdale. What's your question, Jeremy? All right, Chris, uh, you've wrestled the who's who in wrestling from Undertaker, Triple H, HBK. You beat Rock and Austin in the same night. Would, would Kenny Omega make the list of top five wrestlers you've ever worked with? Well, I mean, I've only worked with him one time. And we had, you know, one of the best matches that I've ever had. You know, people say five-star match, whatever you want to say. Bottom line was it was a great match. Uh, people enjoyed it. It did great business, which is always the most important thing. So I'd say for a first time, and this is interesting, you only get better when you work with somebody more. And I can only compare it to my WrestleMania 19 match with Shawn Michaels that everyone will say, oh, I love that match, and it was the best match of WrestleMania. That's the first time we ever worked, Shawn and I. It's the first time we ever touched in a ring. So I can only compare it that I know that Shawn's one of my all-time favorite opponents, that Kenny would be one of my all-time favorite opponents as well. I just have to work with him some more because it only gets better. If you start at five stars, oh, my gosh, how high could we take it if we worked a dozen times? So that's still to, to be determined. You know, I'm not going anywhere. Kenny isn't going anywhere. So hopefully we will wrestle again soon. And we're going to be wrestling on the ship here. Alpha yes. Club versus Bullet Club. Right? Yes. All right. Thank you, Chris. Tomorrow night. Thank you. What time tomorrow are you wrestling? Do you know? I think it's 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock tomorrow? So okay. come back from your excursion. Sober up. Come watch our match. What is your name and where are you from? Andrew from Tucson. To Andrew, what's going on? Tucson. EGs. All right, what's your question? <laughs> EGs is uh, awesome. Chris, as a man of 1,004 talents, you've traveled the world with top-notch wrestling and passionate music alone. As opposed to all the hardcore influence you had in music, what are some of the songs you listen to for a more mellow you? Well, good. you guys have some good questions, man. Thank you. I really like this. Known mostly as a rock guy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what I mellows like you out? Um, well, I, it's interesting to me. Um, Music is very much Slayer. moods. Are you on meth? How do you like? How do you mellow out on Slayer? Sorry. What mellows you out musically? You know, I, I like. I mean, the Beatles are my all-time favorite band of all time. And I mean, the Beatles aren't mellow. They're super heavy at times. But there are some really cool. Uh, songs that, that, that get to there's a song called I Want You She's So Heavy and it's not a ballad it's just a really cool song man if I could put that on and just vibe out after every Fozzie show I always put on Tumbling Dice by the Stones that, that mellows me out it's just kind of a cool vibe I really enjoy it uh, so it's not so much oh I put on you know Celine Dion some ballad and start crying it's more of just certain songs that I like listening to that get me in a certain mood. And it's mostly Beatles and Stones stuff. Both of those bands just really speak to me, whether it's Gimme Shelter or Midnight Rambler or, you know, uh, Girl by the Beatles. Oh, that song, is, that song is the heaviest. You could murder somebody to that song because it's just this... Oh, it's just... Uh, um, yeah. 
Yeah, so there you go. Uh, those, so those type of tunes to me are the ones that really I feel I enjoy question. the most. I'm picturing this guy getting mellowed out from Slayer. Heard if What is that? I, I, that's the chef from the Muppet Show. Just, I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say it's Gertie Fern. <laughs> Ferdy Gert. I was gonna say Eddie Vedder. Ferdy Fern. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. If, if Eddie Vedder was in Slayer. Spinnaker Lounge tomorrow night. We'll have the chef from the Muppet Show singing Slayer for the comedy show. Everybody go to the Spinnaker Lounge tomorrow at nine o'clock. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? My name is Jeff Pruitt, and I'm from Chattanooga, Tennessee. All right, Jeff. Another Chattanooga. And I just want to say this is the best idea you have ever had, this whole thing. Thanks, Agreed, man. Jeff. Thank you. And, uh, 100%. Thank you. My, my, my question is, is, who's your best friend in the wrestling industry? That's a good, oh, wow, that's a good question, man. You know, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, you you kind of go in cycles where it's almost like uh, army, army buddies. Oh, Kevin's, Kevin and Sammy are, are, are friends of mine for sure. Good guys. Um, I think at this point in time, I got a group text with Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, um, Samoa. Like it's Gallows and Anderson and the, and the Joes that are Samoan. It's Samoa Joe and it's Roman Reigns. And those those guys are my five, the five bros. And then actually I become pretty close with Kenny and Cody and the Bucks recently. Um, Shane Helms, great friend of mine. Uh, you know, Eddie, Chris, and Dean were, were very close. You know, the, Chris and Eddie are gone, but Dean, Dean and I, you know, you, you, you go, like I said, you go through phases. You don't see somebody for a long time. But you, the, with the wonders of texting, the group texting, uh, Conan, uh, Disco Inferno, idiot didn't make it. Um, <laughs> you know, those, those are all good guys. And you know, Ray Mysterio, I don't talk to Oscar a lot, but he's still one of my best friends because I've known him for so long. And I know he... It would have my back at any time. Uh, I get along really well with Vince. Vince and I have fun discussions about different things sometimes. Um, so yeah, those, those are just good good dudes. Rollins, another guy. Um, Hard to narrow it down to just one. You it really is. It friends. really is. It really is. But I think the five, the, the, the that Gallows Anderson and the Joes that are Samoan are probably my closest right now. Great question. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I guess. I, nope. I, I guess what I was trying to ask is like, who helped you become it? A wrestler in the beginning, like like who pushed you to get there? Like that's well, what I, was I mean. Well, probably Lance Storm. Yeah. You know, he's the guy that we started out training nice. on the first day, and we're, we're you know very good very early on. So that's probably the earliest guy. Don Callis, who's here, another old friend of mine. Nice. Now runs Impact Wrestling. Um, yeah. yeah. Good question. Thank you, Jeff. Next up, what is your name and where are you from? Hi there, my name's Robert. I'm from El Paso, Texas. El Paso! Grandies. All right. <laughs> I fucking they have the best rolls. I would stick my dick in a roll. Gas is yelling out every... Earmuffs, kids. Sorry, Earmuffs. kids. Earmuffs. 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 Every little comedy Sorry. club. Yes. Yeah. Ah, that's the yuck-yucks. <laughs> oh. That's the worst. You get Pure good paychecks. Illinois, laugh a lot. You get good paychecks, but they're always from the chuckle hut. It's like, Mom, I made it. I made the chuckle hut for... <laughs> the chuckle All right, hut. What, and what is your question for Chris? Uh, hey, Chris. Um, I've been training to be a professional wrestler for about a year now. Sweet. And I wanted to know, uh, when you were first training, what moves or drills were you scared to do at first? Uh, top rope. Standing in the ring, looking up the top rope. You're like, that's not very tall. You go stand on the damn thing. It looks like you're 30 feet off the ground. Uh, the belly to back suplex to me just always looked like I used to call it like the, the that's going to be the, that's going to hurt. That's going to be the move that hurts the most. I just know it. I just know it. 
And then, you know, you do it, and it's like, that's it? It's the caveman Brody knee drop all over again. Um, so those moves were always hard. I see, once again, I trained with Lance Storm, and he could do anything. He could do a springboard off the top rope, so that I was convinced that I had to do a springboard off the top rope, or I'd never make it. I fell a thousand times. I think I did it once, and that was the worst thing, because you should do it once. I did it once, I'll do it. Each time you do it, you fall worse, you get lower. He could jump straight from the ring right to the top rope. I would try that and just bail and kill myself every time. Um, so, and then, and then you realize it's not what you do, it's what you don't do. You know, you don't have to do all these things. It's, it's, you know, I think I have two moves now, but I've done pretty good with them. You know, I've done pretty good with them. So, yeah, armbar, exactly. Good question. Exactly. Thank you. <laughs> you nailed it. Next question. What is your name and where are you from? Hi, my name's Kelsey and I'm from Phoenix. Phoenix! <laughs> My question is... Coach's Grill in downtown (laughs) has the best mozzarella. They make homemade mozzarella at Coach's. I'm sensing a YouTube show for you here, Craig. (laughs) All right, Kelsey, what is your question for Chris? Uh, My question was, how does the Festival of Friendship rank on your list of favorite segments? Amazing. Amazing. Um, Can I just say, with the Festival of Friendship, they put out a playset? That's three play sets that are out there that came from the mind of Chris Jericho. The Festival of Friendship, The Money in the Bank, and the Ambrose Asylum match. So there you go. So if you guys play with those at home, like Zack Ryder, um, those are mine. Um, Festival of Friendship, I, I knew what I wanted to do with that months earlier because it was the, it was the big turn. And everyone expected Kevin and I to turn each other and they said, oh, this is the night and we didn't do it. Oh, this is the night. We didn't do it. And it was a good six, eight months. So everyone says, oh, we knew he was going to turn. No, you didn't. You didn't know shit. Um, and what I wanted from that was it to be a 1980s David Lee Roth video at the beginning that ends up as the Red Wedding from Game of Thrones at the end. And if you watch it, now that I said the David Lee Roth, you see it was super campy, Top hat, you know, a blinking top hat, like the how are ya? Yay! Dancing girls and uh, friendship, the magician who is the shits, by the way. He's a terrible magician. If he's here, I apologize. Um, you know, and then to go to where he gives me the list of KO, oh wow, this is cool. And then the famous, why is my name on this? And then look up and it's like, oh shit, here he comes, boom. And I wanted that because there was a lot of suggestions that. Some people didn't want to do that. Hey, why would you want to do it that way? Um, uh, Because that's the way it works. And I wanted it to be something where you knew it was coming. No, 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 no! Rather than it coming from behind. Like if you uh, watch like a horror movie with a slasher and they cut your head off from behind, you're not going to feel any fear or dread. You're just dead. If you open the door and see the guy standing there with an axe over his head, you're like, oh, no, 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 boom. And that's what I wanted for that segment. And that's why it worked out so well, because it was the ultimate betrayal that everyone saw coming, but no one saw it coming. And no one really wanted it to happen. So when it did, it was so, uh, it, uh, it was a, it was a moving moment. You know, it, it was, it, you never forget the Festival of Friendship. And I definitely include it as one of my top moments in, in the business for sure. Wow. Thank you, Kelsey. From Phoenix. Honorary mention, by the way, to Hop Dottie Burgers uh, in Phoenix. <laughs> that is also amazing. Last question. Last man. This is it. What is your name? You're going to end this. Uh, what, uh, where are you from? I'm Jason, and I'm from Tasmania, Australia. Tasmania! 
There's no way in hell you know any cheese shops in Tasmania. I haven't been there yet. Tell me where to go in Tasmania to eat. Funny Bones in Tasmania. Alright. Tasmanian Devil, I don't know. That was a good Tasmanian Devil. Craig Gass, everybody. Thank good you. Tasmanian Devil. Tomorrow night, Spinnaker Lounge, 9.15 p.m. I think I'm actually moving the showtime as we're doing this. Alright, 9.15. Go ahead. Alright, um, I was wondering, who would you pick to induct you into the WWE Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Wow. And um, have any of your kids shown an interest in pursuing either rock and roll or wrestling? Well, um, out of my kids, my daughter Cheyenne, I think, is the one that would be most into the wrestling. She's got the personality for it, and she just seems a little bit more rambunctious than my other two. Uh, my son loves fishing. He also loves rock and roll, but he like his favorite song is Africa by Toto, and not the and not the Weezer version. He was on to Toto like a year ago. I'm like, how the hell do you know Toto? You're 14 years old. This is what we listen to, Dad. I'm like, oh, I love you. Thank you. Um, and his friend was in a band, and I said, why don't you sing? He's like, oh, I don't want to sing. I'm like, you don't, you don't have to sing. You don't have to really sing. Look at Dave Lee Roth. You're a good-looking kid. Just go up there and work the crowd, but that's not his personality. So Dude, Slayer. <laughs> Slayer. Or, or, or Stanford, <laughs> Africa! <laughs> um, and the other part, oh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Paul Stanley, which would be great. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Here's Chris Jericho. Oh, yeah. All right, people. All right. Now, listen. He's going in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. People. Oh, yeah. And Wrestling Hall of Fame? I have this little joke with myself that if I ever get inducted into the, to the, the Hall of Fame, the W Hall of Fame, I'm going to pull the Sex Pistols and not show up. Yeah. <laughs> so who's going to be alone and at the induction? <laughs> send a letter in that says, uh, not only am I not accepting this, you can't even mention my name. That was Axl Rose. That was Axl Combine Rose. Combine Axl Rose and the Sex yes. Pistols. Because how cool would that be? How much of a Jericho thing would that be? Just refuse and not show up that'd be way better than showing up like in a light up tuxedo or something and you know talking about working my first match for a hot dog and a glass of orange juice i mean come on man but even if you don't show up who would you pick to be the guy that that talks you up and and look i back think on your um, career? I, I used to think that Shawn michaels would be good but he's done it before i would say honestly i think like i think kevin owens wow. would be good and i'll tell you the reason why he grew up as a fan of mine and then ended up doing this amazing angle with him. We had great chemistry and, and just a whole cool, once again, eight-month angle, whatever it was. So I think it'd be kind of cool to have him do it from both sides of the coin, from being a fan of Chris Jericho and then getting to work with Chris Jericho. Much like when Sean got inducted, they never asked me, but I would have probably been a real good candidate for that as well. So I will say Kevin Owens, or my go-to answer is always the same, Funaki. Well, I got to say, uh, to wrap this up, thank you for your time. And to have this thing happen from a couple years ago as an idea when you first started talking about it, how cool would it be to get on a cruise and have wrestling and rock and comedy and everybody, just from the idea to the reality, it, it, even people here at Six Man and people who work on the ship are going, I was always wondering for the since they announced this how this was going to be. And this is so much fun. And everybody here loves you. So thank you for putting this thing together, man. And thank you. Once again, make some noise for Chris Jericho, everybody.
All right, the first 400 cabins have already been booked for the upcoming Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea Part 2, setting sail January 20th, 2020. Uh, so the Q&A for next year already booked and closed. But if you were lucky enough to get one of those first 400 cabins, this is what you'll be taking part in, what you just heard. And if you weren't one of the first 400 to book your cabin, do it now. Uh, you'll so much to do and see. I mean, this lineup, uh, like I said, I'm just releasing a little, little bit of a piece of the lineup. It's going to blow your mind. Uh, if you want to book before uh, cabins officially go on sale on March 13th, go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com and sign up for your pre-booking time now. Uh, do it. I don't want you to miss out. This is going to be the vacation of a lifetime general on sale for the cruise next Wednesday, March 13th at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. But you can sign up for pre-booking earlier than that. Do it right now. Uh, talent lineup getting better and better every single day. Here's what I can tell you so far. Uh, Chris Jericho is the uh, master of ceremonies. Uh, AEW will be there, of course. Uh, the host of the cruise, Brad Williams, who was one of the stars of the show last year. Uh, special guest cruise director, Vicky Guerrero. Yes, she's going to be there. Fozzie playing a whole plethora of shows, including our covers show, which was a huge hit last year. Farewell to Fear, a great new band that we toured Canada with last year with us. Uh, DDP is back doing live DDP yoga workshops on the ship. Jake the Snake Roberts is going to be there. He's going to do one of his special comedy shows. Beyond the Darkness doing paranormal events. If you were there last year, when you saw uh, them try and dredge up a UFO from the bottom of the ocean, uh, they had some very weird, strange happening. Dave Strader's got a lot of cool ideas to add to that. Uh, so many more talents uh, and Hall of Famers and rock and roll bands. And I don't even want to tell you when the time is right, it's going to blow your mind. So book your cabin now, uh, pre-booking at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. And on March 13th, if you want to wait that long, once again, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Cabins go on sale to the world and elsewhere. We're sailing from Miami to Nassau, which was a great time last year, one of the best ports in the entire uh, ocean. January 20th to 24th, 2020. Going to be the vacation of a lifetime. Trust me, for those who joined us last year, tell everyone who hasn't joined us yet how much fun you're going to have. Come hang out with us, ChrisJerichoCruise.com. All right, coming up on Wednesday, director of the, uh, wow, one of the most riveting, honest documentaries about pro wrestling uh, I've ever seen called 350 Days. Fulvio Cesare is going to be here. He and his crew spent five years shooting interviews for this documentary about the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle of pro wrestling in the 80s. They talked to everyone, Bret Hart, Superstar Billy Graham, Greg Valentine, J.J. Dillon, Tito Santana, uh, even those who have passed away like George Animal Steel, Ox Baker. A uh, very, very interesting uh, look at the real behind the curtain uh, scenes, uh, what used to happen in pro wrestling in the 80s uh, about as real a look as you're going to get about what it was like back in those days the toll it took on your body your mind your family's relationships you don't want to miss this Friday get the story behind the brand new pro wrestling documentary 350 Days with director Fulvio Cesare so you don't want to miss that but in the meantime and in between time have a great weekend stay hard stay hungry peace love and hugs and a big yeah boy and thanks to Craig Gass for hosting this amazing Q&A we'll see you soon ChrisJerichoCruise.com sign up for pre-booking now